Welcome to Writing Questions. I'm Stephen Hopkins. This week, I forced my friend Dustin to write a poem while we listen. In my attempts at writing, I have written poems, but I would never have the courage to call myself a poet. The only class I ever took in college where I felt like I knew less about the subject at the end of the semester was the time I took a poetry workshop. The kind of person that can confidently call himself a poet has to not only have a command of English above and beyond that of most people, but they have to have an eye that sees the world differently from everyone else. And on top of that, they also have to have either the enormous ego or the absolute humility to write poems that comment on the human condition in meaningful ways. My friend Dustin Pearson is a poet. As you'll hear, he is the managing editor of Hayden's Ferry Review here at Arizona State University. He has a master's degree from Clemson University. He's been published in a bunch of places, and he was awarded the 2015 Catherine C. Turner Prize from the Academy of American Poets. So he's not just a poet, he's a good poet. Dustin and I have spent many hours uh, talking about life, about writing, about poetry, and one day we were both pretty desperate for company and also for a distraction from what was going on. And so I pitched to him the idea that I would record him while he wrote a poem in real time. So we sat down in his office in the basement of our building. I turned on the microphone and he made this magic happen. So what you're going to hear now is just a slightly edited version of that experience. Hello, hello. Well, okay, I guess we have to do some kind of recording introduction type of thing. First, just give me uh, your name and what you do. Okay, my name is Dustin Pearson. I am a second-year MFA candidate here at ASU, and um, I write poems. Awesome. Okay, describe to us where we're sitting right now. We're sitting in the HFR office, Hayden's Ferry Review. It's literary magazine here at ASU. I'm the current managing editor. There are a lot of old magazines here, and it's just basically like an archive and the workspace for the magazine. All right, so... This is an experiment for both of us, I think. What I'd like you to do then is to write a poem here while I watch. I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers. Right. There's no guarantees that this is going to even represent your work or anything at the end, right? Because this is like a very artificial situation. I guess run me through like when you do write a poem, how do you set yourself up for it? Or like what kind of conditions do you make around you to help you write poems usually? Um, you know what? It's kind of just like, um, as far as the physical workspace, it's kind of like spontaneous. I think whenever I have the impulse or the poem, I'll just make do with whatever's around me. But I think I typically get a lot of my work done while I'm at my apartment in a quiet space. As far as like the material for poems that I write, I'm usually like, my mind is pretty active throughout the day. So it's like, you know, when I'm walking around or doing something mundane, like eating a sandwich or something, I have all these thoughts in my head that I'll try and develop and so that's where a lot of my composing process comes and then when I feel like I have enough of an idea to pursue it like seriously on the page then that's when I'll start writing it out. What is the feeling when you go like oh I need to write I'm, I'm gonna write a poem because of this? I know I think I get a lot of that so it's like when I'm doing the composing thing in my head there are a lot of shapeless kind of things things that I'm thinking about I think when I really have the urge to sit down and start writing is when those ideas they present themselves as like lines that I can see in my head and it's just like me writing those lines that I can see in my head on the paper and then I'll just go from there. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So right now I'm going to kind of force you to make that happen. So it's not going to be your natural way of writing a poem. Right. Well, I've been thinking about a lot of things today. We've had a kind of an eventful day today with the threat and whatnot. So yeah, there was a, somebody posted on the 4chan message board that at 1230, they were going to come and shoot up all the normies at ASU and the frat boys and people who rejected him or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, we just got an email that said it was unsubstantiated, not to worry and counter carry on as usual. But yeah, and here we are carrying on <laughs> as usual. All right. Um, well, let's get into it. So what would be a first step for you? Well, I don't know. Some of the things earlier that we were talking about, um, talking about eating Tums. The idea of eating Tums? Well, the thing that led to us talking about eating Tums, so I think I was talking to you about having problems with reflux and how my mind goes in all kinds of crazy places because I've never had reflux before. And, you know, it's actually, it makes sense. It's like my dad suffers from reflux really bad, but I think his started when he was in his earlier 20s. And so for me to be 25 and just now starting to have it, it's like that was not something that we talked about, like him having reflux. And it, when he did talk about it, it's like I never, it never crossed my mind that that would be something that I would suffer from at any point. So, yeah, because family's kind of a big theme in your fo- in your poetry, right? Yeah, yeah, for better for worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, so what would happen then to begin? So I think I'll just start with the uh, shooting and then, or the threat of the shooting, and then go and see if I can't put those things together in a natural way. I think I'll just start writing this first line. Um, you know, I typically write my poems to uh, model a conversation that I would have with somebody, except a little bit more um, direct and less spontaneous. So I think I'll just start there. The first line. Okay, can you read that? Sure. First line, or the first two lines, I guess. I want to tell you that I think I've been dying. Okay, so I have a few questions already. Okay. Um, Do you have any considerations of form yet in your mind? No, no, this is pretty raw. Just wrote those things down. And not to say that this is, um, this is actually something that I'm crafting from the perspective of a speaker now too. So even though I'm not speaking directly, it's just interpreting things that I've been thinking about in a creative way. And I like characters and and people who are coming from very pointed um, perspectives in poems. So I think that um, that's why I just wanted to, I don't want anybody to associate that as like, I don't think that I'm dying right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second thing, your pen isn't working terribly well. Yeah. You know, these, these pens, there's like a drawer of them over there and I don't know how old they are, but yeah, it's a pretty standard paper mate, blue pen. It's like, I don't see these pens. And if I did see them in a store, they wouldn't be the first that I would buy. That's for sure. Do you, does that ever have an effect on how you write or or how you think? You know what? I think it does. Like, I think a lot of the writing that I do, any kind of planned writing that I do is on the computer. And I typically have my computer very handy, but um, it's only when I go really spontaneous that I'm forced to write with a pen and actual paper. Mm -hmm. So even like seeing my own handwriting, it's a little strange doing this process right now and then uh as far as the line break so you broke it after you there was that a conscious thing or did it just kind of naturally happen 
I think it was kind of like a conscious thing. I think that utterance of like, I want to tell you, so that line ends with a very pointed address to whoever is reading it. And then of course, I think that that would naturally kind of spark them to immediately read to the next line. And because it's like, you have the urgency of somebody wanting to tell you something supposedly. Great. Okay. Okay. Can you read that to us? Sure. I've seen that there's a threat of a shooting today, but that's not why I say this to you. Okay. Can you talk us through that? Sure. So I wanted to incorporate the the events of today in the poem. So the first line was the speaker telling this other person that they've been preoccupied with dying or that they think that they've been dying. And so the second line proceeds to say that there's been this threat of a shooting today. And I think by breaking up what follows his thoughts about the dying with the events of the day, it'll be really interesting to see how those two things make connections later. So you don't know the connection yet, but they're like put up and then maybe we'll see what the connection is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be more interesting for the reader. Okay, and then the second question I have now is, how much of this is thinking in sentences? Because in both times you kind of ended with a period. So what's the connection to lines and sentences, I guess? I guess I would say that a sentence, it's it's just like the unit in which we're trained to speak, right? We're trained to speak and think of things, complete thoughts and complete sentences. But I think with the lines, you really get to seize on or draw attention to whatever nuances in the sentence that might not be captured if it was just like the whole sentence was on one line. So like I said before, I want to tell you, I think that has an immediacy and a kind of like intimacy with the person who is reading the poem. But I think that that intimacy is something that's heightened by the line break because I think if it's just like, I want to tell you that I think I've been dying, if that was all in one line, I think you would lose a bit of that there. Okay. Okay, can you read that for us? Sure. I've been told that the young dying are rare. I believe that. Just with all the things spread between the TV and internet, it's become the rarity that happens every day. So I feel like I noticed, like, after you got done writing the last word of the last line, you kind of hit the period, put the period, and then kind of went, hmm. Like, almost like you discovered something. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, I think that is true. I was just like, oh. It's like, I see how this is coming together, and I was like, you know, that's that's pretty cool. I like what's happening right now. So I guess in a way that is weird, because it's like I'm writing it, but I don't. I don't really know what all is happening in the poem. So I think that that's pretty cool to discover things that I'm writing and not really fully understanding them, but looking at them and understanding more and more as I continue to think about what's being written. With this, it's like I'm going pretty off the top of my head as these things develop. Like I have these things in my head that I want to, to happen somewhere in the poem, but I've tried to arrange them so that they spur new ideas that you know, kind of like takes advantage of all these things being put together rather than just stacking them on top of each other. So I think in that way, I am kind of like writing things and then seeing like when I'm reading it back or like looking back at the words that I've written, seeing how the language is working and trying to get new ideas, you know, having that momentum of the poem or honoring that momentum and the lines that follow it. Cool.
do you have another step to take now at this point? Um, yeah, let's, let's try. <laughs> that took a turn. Okay, I'll read it. Okay. So which route to take? I've been told death will come for us at 1230. Should I take what I've been feeling outside? Or should I have the courage to sit and wait for other dangers? Okay, first thing I notice is that you wrote, I've been told the threat, and then you crossed out the threat and put death. Yeah, I think death is one of those like really heavy words in a poem. It's like one of those heavy abstractions. So I think it's cool to personify death in that way because I think like this speaker, you know, the first line was, I want to tell you that I think I've been dying. And so maybe he has that kind of like sense that death is coming either way. So it's like if this threat of danger or this death is happening in this shooter that's going to be outside, it's like, well, if it's coming for me anyway, it's like, should I just go outside and meet it? Or should I just sit where I am? Because if I believe that I'm dying and death is coming for me in this other natural way, should I just sit here in the safety of this office and wait for it to come more naturally? Hmm. <laughs> but it's going to come no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. Like, I, I wouldn't write something that morbid naturally. So I think this is pretty... um. I don't know, it's pretty, well, it's not funny when I use that word just to say that I wasn't expecting this either. Right. Well, here's a, here's a question that I guess I have is like, what connection do you feel between you and the narrator here? Yeah, you know what? Like, I feel like the speaker's concerns are my concerns to an extent, but I think what the speaker allows me to do is pursue those concerns in a much more intense way than I'd be willing to in my actual life. Because these are kind of like morbid, kind of like, I don't know, to me, kind of scary ideas that I wouldn't want to entertain <laughs> in the midst of everything else that I have to do in my real life. So I think what this speaker is allowing me to do is to pursue it very seriously. And then when I get done writing the poem, I'll be able to leave it on the page rather than just preoccupy myself and really just like, I don't know. It's like if I'm thinking about this stuff for the purpose of the poem, I won't have to think about it in terms of like actual consequences in my actual life, you know, pursuing it to that level. Is it kind of like a like a playground type thing? Like you could, that's not the best metaphor, I guess, for this morbid <laughs> of a subject, but like it's like a, a experimentation place or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like, you know, maybe it's even a way to, you know, like exercise those anxieties. And maybe it's like, exercise or exorcise like get rid of like demons or like to work out you know what whichever one you want <laughs> i was kind of like thinking about that while i was saying it and i was just like you know what i'm not going to clarify it i kind of like paused in the middle of the word and i was just like i don't know which one i want because they both would serve a similar but <laughs> i don't know let's just say exercise like i'm on the bike okay in the gym <laughs> okay all right Okay, next thing I wrote was, I want to ask you, when you see danger coming from all angles, is your first instinct to meet it? Who would you ask? 
what this part of the poem is doing is establishing some kind of desperation in the speaker. And I think that would indicate to a reader how seriously or how immediate this this issue has become in light of, you know, whatever the speaker sees or whatever the speaker recognizes as a danger to their actual health, like in a natural way. I th- what I hear, and I don't know how this is for you to have me like sit here and interpret it right now while you're writing. It's probably a different thing than you should go through. But what I hear in that, who would you ask, is like, am I normal to even be like thinking these things? Asking the person like, you go through this too, right? This isn't just me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's pretty smart. Definitely. I think that's something that people can relate to too. It's like if, even if they don't get to having that kind of conversation with anybody, or even if they don't think about it enough to recognize that they're having that conversation with themselves. I think that that's something that people will be able to resonate with kind of easily. So, so far you've started every sentence with I, I think. I definitely want that to build up this feeling of, of direct engagement or some kind of intimacy. Because I think like a lot of people's impulse would be to, you know, cut out all those eyes. you know, like it's obvious that the speaker is wrestling with all these things and these questions are being but I think having them in, it's just that more emphasis to what I'm trying to privilege. So this, this dark thought and this kind of immediacy to having this dark, dark thought and the impulse or the desperation to reach out and share those thoughts with somebody else. Is there more? Yeah, I think so. I don't want to end it on a question like that, a rhetorical question. This might be a bad time to ask this question. I might have to ask it again, but um, how do you know when a poem is done? You know, I think like endings are are tough. Right now I'm thinking about, you know, if I were to end this poem, I would be unsatisfied with it, leaving it here. It's like, I think like for what it is, for what it is going to be right now, I think I'm close, but I don't think I should end there. Okay, and I think I think this is actually going to be um, good enough for for right now. So it reads. It starts. I have to tell you that I ask because I want to know if between the threats outside and what's seen on the internet or TV, if the moment following is short, I want to spend it getting close to knowing who you are. Cool. Um, so one thing I notice is that you ended at the end of the page. Was that a coincidence? Or do the sizes of pages like make a difference to how you write? No, you know what, I think it, I think it was kind of like a coincidence. I think it was like the perfect um, poetic timing because it's like I look at the front of this page and I see that I started out writing smaller because I didn't know, like there was no momentum that had been built up. And so when I get into this point and the poem starts like, unfolding organically it happens very quick and i know that like with my mind how it sprawls all over the place it's like if i don't write it out my mind will go in like four other places and i'll lose that initial kind of like place that it was going and then the poem ends up just being like this random mess that i have to tame later and i think that 
that's what enabled me to get like obnoxious about how big I started writing. <laughs> yeah, because that last word is like three times as big as your first <laughs> word, maybe even more. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I noticed is that you didn't read over what you had written before you started writing this part here. Did you have it in your mind? Because I feel like there's a lot of callbacks now in this end part to the beginning part too. Um. Yeah. Because I think like if, when we started this conversation, I said something about arranging the, like there was a delay of the information, the initial information that the speaker wanted to give in order to bring in this other thing that was pressing on the speaker's mind. Over the course of writing the poem, I feel like that was like the most organic way to end. It's like bridging those two things together. It seems like the speaker has gone from wanting to tell somebody else to asking them what they would do. And it's not enough to ask what they would do. It's just as important. And it turns out that that speaker just wants to make a connection with somebody else. The speaker feels like if they're going to die, then they want to take something maybe like real or something close with them before they die or have something close. So in a way, it ends up being about something completely different than where it started. And I think that's what poems are supposed to do. They're supposed to surprise you in that way. Okay. Is that it? We're done? <laughs> we didn't give it a title. Oh, yeah, that's important. I'm bad at titles. <laughs> That'll come later if I keep it. Okay. Can you read it as it is? Yep. I want to tell you that I think I've been dying. I've seen that there's a threat of a shooting today. But that's not why I say this to you. I've been told that the young dying are rare. I believe that. Just with all the things spread between the TV and internet, it's become the rarity that happens every day. So which route to take? I've been told death will come for us at 12.30. Should I take what I've been feeling outside, or should I have the courage to sit and wait for other dangers. I want to ask you, when you see danger coming from all angles, is it your first instinct to meet it? Who would you ask? I have to tell you that I ask because I want to know. If between the threats outside and what's seen on the internet or TV, if the moment following is short, I want to spend it getting close to knowing who you are. What did I say before I started reading that? That could be the title. If I keep this. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's funny, I'm gonna write that down. All right. I don't think it's gonna work as an actual title, but I think it's kind of cool. If I keep this. If that's, if in that way, if that's like a poem, if this is something that the, the speaker wrote down to give to somebody. Mm. And it's like they're keeping it, but they're not actually going to share that with somebody. That would make it more admirable to me or make it more, I don't know, sad in a way. It's like I could keep this. It's like I really do feel all these things in genuine, but am I actually going to reach out and share this with somebody else? And that would be so sad if this was written and they just kind of like wilted and died or didn't die, but think that they were going to and spent all of that t frantic time alone. <laughs> <laughs> Is this it?
Like, is it what it's going to be? Um, no, I think like if I were to work on this poem, it would definitely be something different, but the ideas would be the same. I think, would you just rewrite it from scratch kind of with this ideas in mind, or would you take this and manipulate it into something else? I would definitely want to see what this looked like on like on a word processor first. It's just like a jumble of my handwriting right now, but I think if putting it on the computer, I'd be able to see it clearer. Honestly, I would be floored if somebody just came up to me and, and told me this. Like, I think I would really like for that to happen. But at the same time, and I would be satisfied with that. But I think like a lot of people reading poetry, they would encounter this and not be satisfied with it. You know, just thinking about the conventions of poetry and how contemporary poetry works. And so I would definitely want to keep this because I feel like this is very much what I would want out of the poem. And I'd be adding that other stuff to make it more presentable to poetry world or like to a literary audience. So this first draft in some ways feels pretty complete to you. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things that they say. It's like the, your first draft is for you. And then you go through the re process of revising it so that it's presentable or acceptable to someone else. And so I feel like, you know, if I was writing for myself and I wasn't writing for an audience and like if I wasn't, you know, pursuing the MFA or, or pursuing poetry at this level, I, like, I would write this and I'd be like, oh, this is fine for me. Hmm. So what could this poem accomplish? What could this do for a reader or for anybody? Or... I think it could be a, a few things that people could take from it or that this poem might be doing. But I think they're all in the area of reevaluating the bond that human beings can have with each other. Yeah. Great. Okay. Final words? Hey! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So that was Dustin Pearson. If you'd like to read more of his work or get in contact with him, I've put a link to his profile on the Poets and Writers directory. Uh, I'll put a link in the description. Or you can search for the anthology containing his work entitled Pariahs, Writing Outside the Margins. Uh, look for that on Amazon or wherever quality poetry books are sold. Music for this episode comes from twinmusicom.org. You can subscribe to this podcast, Writing Questions, on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can follow us on SoundCloud. If you'd like to comment on this episode or give me some feedback, you can do that on our SoundCloud page on this episode or send an email to me at stephenwhopkins at gmail.com or send me a message on Twitter at SeeMyLittleKnee. I'm Stephen Hopkins. This has been Writing Questions, where we explore the role of writing in our lives and cultures. We'll see you next time. <laughs>